you know, one of the reasons, I almost didn't do it after two, but we received so many letters, handwritten letters in those days. Mm-hmm. And I still have them somewhere, I'm sure. I know I do. That um, people said that the event changed their lives. Welcome to Something Will Happen, a podcast about the largest Beatles music festival in the U.S., Abbey Road on the River, celebrating our 20th anniversary, May 26th to 30th, 2022. I'm Melissa, one of the organizers of the festival, and I'll be talking about all things Abbey Road on the River, held every Memorial Day weekend in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Whether you're new to Abbey Road on the River or you're a festival regular, if you love the Beatles as much as we do, you're in the right place. This is Something Will Happen. Something Will Happen. Let's get started. Hey, Gary, how's it going? Melissa L. Brum, thanks for having me as your <laughs> guest today. Well, I'm very excited because I want to talk to you about how long this festival has lasted. And I hear it's <laughs> the 20th anniversary well, of Abbey Road on the River this year. Considering you've been working on the 20-year anniversary book for <laughs> several months, we you have. do know that. I want to tell everyone about this amazing program that we've been making and curating for the last few months that are putting everything into perspective on how long this festival has been going. So. Yeah, even more remarkable, I think, is when you look at all the, 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 the items that are printed in that program and realize mm-hmm. that they all represent real live concerts that we were all treated to yeah. for 20 years, you know, that we, we saw, I think, 4,000 concerts over 20 years, and every name yes. in that program is a moment in time of some phenomenal bands that we have been uh, watching since we started this. Isn't that cool? So if you've been coming every single year, you've seen over 4,000 concerts, or just about 4,000. You've seen over 400 bands. Yes. And uniquely different bands. And what makes that number even more staggering is so many bands play for 5, 10, 15 years. So, but somehow 400 different bands have been in this festival. And uh, in the program that will be available at the site, you know, there's a whole listing of every year and every band, but uh, mm-hmm. that's ever played. It, it's cer- Everyone certainly is represented. Yeah, it has certainly jogged my memory. Yes, I think we noted the other day that they rep- came from. We had 70 different international acts. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's crazy. That's crazy. Nobody Not from 70 that. countries, no. but bands from yes, right. 70 bands from other can, countries outside the U.S. But I'll bet you I can list a bunch of the countries real fast. Okay, you want go me to? for it. Yes, how many okay. have there have been represented? Oh, I wish I could do that like United Nations song where I sing the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> or like the state, the right. U.S. state right. song. Right, that's one, the state's capital. Alabama. Huh? Right. <laughs> USA and Canada. Okay. Yeah. All the U.K. from, uh, yes. from England to Scotland. Uh, no Ireland. Uh, hmm. Although I think Lawrence Macca, yes, he definitely, no, he's Scottish. So. Um, he was. Um, Germany, we've had three or four. Finland, Norway, Sweden, Holland, Czech Republic, France, Italy, Spain, Russia, Japan. Greece. Greece. I forget Greece a lot. <laughs> it is in Europe, too. It is. Yeah. Greece, Colombia, mm-hmm. Argentina, Brazil. That's quite a journey around, uh, yeah. especially Europe. I yes. Mean, we have, there's a lot of countries in Europe, but we have all the big countries in Europe. Uh, I guess we never had Portugal. 
We came close to Israel once, so close. That would and, be cool. Uh, yeah, it was, and they were really a good band. They were a, a good look-alike band, but um, that's another story. <laughs> but it's amazing that Beatles fan, um, Beatles fans are just worldwide. One of the best stories I ever heard was from the Backwards from Czech Republic, mm-hmm. who are named as one of our legends, and I will leak it here now that we have anointed. 31 of our bands as yes. legends That's and cool. uh backwards better be on that list I think they are checking. they are <laughs> <laughs> the backwards were so good but here's what's amazing about their story their parents grew up behind the iron curtain wow and they weren't allowed to, you know, the Beatles music was smuggled in, and that's how okay, they that's learned. Nuts. And that's how they learned English too, by the Beatles music being smuggled in. And um, yeah, I think all of our European bands have a story like that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Aliona came from Russia. I, I I don't recall where she lived in Russia though. Um, I should cool. recall that. Yeah. And of course, the Norwegian Beatles come from the most mm-hmm. northern tip of, of Norway, they're, they're closer to Santa Claus than they are to, uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, to think about that and then like Argentina and how right. completely opposite those yeah. are in the world. Yes. <laughs> and and all cool. the music, uh, they were all brought together by the music. I would say that I, I never saw competition between the bands mm-hmm. over all the years. I just saw these amazing friendships yeah. that were created and um, you know, I take a lot of great pride in that. I, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to brag about myself. Please. <laughs> That's what this one's for. In, until you came along, and, and, and even still through your era, I've booked every single band. Mm-hmm. Every single band went through me. And uh, just like some customers listening will tell you that they remember being on the phone with me for two hours the first time they ever decided to buy tickets to Abbey Road on the River. I did a lot of vetting, due diligence, and communication mm-hmm. with all of these bands. There's not a band who ever came to this event that didn't get uh, a little piece of me. I remember once uh, Studio Two, mm-hmm. uh, that we haven't seen them in a while. They're a terrific young Beatle lookalike band. And I, I kind of can remember right now as we're talking, being in my home office in Cleveland and uh, telling uh, Steve Murray from that band, I think his last name's Murray, of course mm-hmm. it is. I remember saying to him, Steve, this is it. You're going to get one long phone call with me right now. Now's the time. And we spoke for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I gave him all the information he needed. And because sometimes I can't do that. I can't give 45 minute phone calls to every single band. But I always we try have to like make 40 sure, bands in the try to make sure that everybody gets to feel like, you know, we really want them and mm-hmm. we care about them and we want to listen yeah. to their ideas. It's been great. Yeah. And I'm looking at this it's legends cool. list right here and I think I'm just like, Steve Sizemore just jumped out at me for a minute. Yeah. Yes, Steve, you are a legend. <laughs> well, should we talk about, do when you are you keep talking about the bands or, yeah, this program? Yeah. Well, people should be prepared to see this beautiful 24-page program of all the events through all the years with all the highlights um they can buy it at the box office or merchandise booth but there's a limited amount so yeah people have to buy it the first day like right when to, they get there do you want me to tell you what out. i remember from different years i do we, yes I, I was thinking different bands let's talk about well both we talked about the band so let's talk about the first year in cleveland and all three years in cleveland 
It never rained. It never rained. <laughs> never once. It. Cleveland had perfect weather. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Well, Cleveland's my hometown, and uh, I'd been doing events there forever, so it was a great thrill to do it at Nautica Pavilion, where which is now called Jacobs Pavilion. Yes. And I had done a lot of events with them in the 90s. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyways. It says um, you weren't sure if anyone is actually going to show up. <laughs> no, I, I, I was not sure. But I remember I was sitting in my golf cart uh, out in the, uh, the area they call the pad by their parking lot, and I just saw people lining up at, you know, right before noon. And uh, as a longtime event producer, when they line up at noon, you're pretty confident that you've uh, reached out, you know, that you've got an audience that wants to come and see this. Yeah. We had such great sponsors the first years in Cleveland with the Cleveland Plain Dealer. In the days when newspaper print really mattered, they gave us a lot mm. of newspaper print. But yeah. I think what I remember most of the three years, I'll go through it real quickly, was um, obviously the revelation of Tim Piper and the mm -hmm. way, and his John Lennon, uh, channeling of John Lennon. Yes. Lawrence Macca, and while he was not maybe the same type of musician as Tim was with, with, um, with John, Lawrence Macca was definitely a doppelganger for Paul and built a fan club up so quickly. And we did a concert for George that year that included Louise Harrison and the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I remember standing on the stage for the concert for George and looking out at an almost full room of 4,000 people and thinking, wow, this is really beautiful. You know, we are really doing something great here. That's and, awesome. Uh, I, I kind of remember either that year or the next year, uh, many of our female customers that started coming that from different parts of the country had already bonded and started becoming friends with each other. Oh. And they started a Lawrence Macca fan club. But I can re it must have been after three. I don't think it was after two. Mm -hmm. I remember a whole bunch of them just starting to sing, We love you, Gary. Oh, yes, we do. I was just so touched okay, by that's that. That's cute. Yes, like and the, they, and I we knew love that, the Beatles. Yeah. yeah, and I knew these fans of ours were really committed. And uh, you know, one of the reasons I almost didn't do it after two, but we received so many letters, handwritten letters in those days, mm -hmm. and I still have them somewhere. I'm sure I know I do. That um, people said that the event changed their lives, and mm -hmm. you know, the first few that I read like that, I was like, you know, I'm cynical. I'm going, yeah, right, it's to change your life. But when you read 15 or 20 like that, it suddenly you start to take note of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we lost a lot of money that first year, but we managed to get it up and running the second year. And You know, it's funny, I don't remember as much. I think what we did in the second year that was really unique was we um, threaded together the years. And on one of the days, I think it was Sunday, we literally went 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, and 68, 69, and we had different bands, and it was just the whole catalog that day, and it was really great. That's amazing. And so we were original then. We were thinking up shows, and we hooked up with a company that came and recorded everything. They were going out. They were starting to record uh, CDs at clubs around the country. That was about to become a thing, unfortunately. You know, the iPhone and everything else changed it. But these guys had an amazing idea. They took their van around the country, recorded the shows live, and sold the CDs to the fans as soon as the show ended. And so we sold, you know, all the, all the shows from 2003 were recorded. And I'm sure people listening 
have all those CDs, and that right there would be like almost the uh, the holy grail of the early Abbey Road on the River. Yeah, to be so able to listen. Yes, to listen to them. Right. I okay. think I've showed you those CD packages. Now the question is, do I still have any? Where are they? <laughs> right, they were in my garage before I started to move. But then in 04, we made the move to Public Hall. It was the 40th anniversary of the Beatles. And we, we wanted to be on that Public Hall stage. The Be there were only three stages left in the country that the Beatles had played on. I, it was uh, from the original tour. It was, mm -hmm. um, well, it was Carnegie Hall. It was Public Hall. And um, I, I, I should remember this better, but it could have been... It was somewhere in Colorado, I believe. It wasn't Red Rock, but it was somewhere in Colorado. But um, anyway, so we just got so much publicity for bringing a Beatles show to a stage that the Beatles had played on. But yeah. the, the standout stories from that year were that um, we had booked the Fab Faux to come and do the White Album, and they were the gold standard of Beatle bands in the country at that time, led by Will Lee from uh, the uh, Letterman Show at the time and Jimmy, Jimmy Vivino. And others, and we had just That's kept been, cool. been promoting White Album, White Album, White Album, White Album. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the deal didn't get finished, and it, it had to end. Things weren't working out, and I was just stuck. What am I going to do? I've promised everybody the White Album. So I called oh. Mark Rashad from All You Need Is Love, who I knew these guys were great, but I didn't quite yet know how great. Hmm. And I said, can you do the White Album? And maybe I gave them a month's notice, I think. It was at the most. And they said, yeah. And they came and they did the White Album. It was the first time an Abbey Road on the River band had attempted something quite like that. Yeah. And uh, everybody that was there will never forget that. That was, I'm not going to say it was the debut of All You Need Is Love, but it definitely firmly established them uh, as what they became, which was, mm -hmm. you know, one of the two or three greatest bands we ever had. Yeah. So, yeah, so 04 was fun. Was, was that the start of, like, doing themed shows? Well, Hal Bruce did the entire medley oh, of the Beatles. the entire catalog? He did the whole catalog. Yeah. The first time it was, we were out there, it was outside. We were all standing there in utter amazement. I think it took two hours and 45 minutes. For sure it was two and a half hours. 214 songs. It was, I said it at the time, that it was more of an athletic achievement than a musical <laughs> yeah. achievement, that he was able to do Just that. to have the stamina to keep going. But, you know, that year on 04 was so much fun. And, but somebody came up to me that year and whispered in my ear, a customer yeah. said, uh, call me sometime. And he lived in Louisville. And uh, the, the, uh, he, he struck me as somebody who had a lot of money. And, you know, it's always good to find people who have a lot of money. Sure. And... Uh, so a couple of weeks later, we connected, and actually he told me that he was promoting a Beatles show in uh, Louisville, 1964, the Tribune, and would I come and you know sit in the front row with him or something? And we started talking, and I finally said, "So how do you think our festival would work in Louisville?" And he said, "You consider that?" I said, "Maybe." And anyways, you know, as we've all heard the story before, one thing led to another quickly. And next, and we made a deal to bring the event to Louisville. <clears throat> that yeah. first year in Louisville, we were just all over the media. Every TV newscast started with Abbey Road on the River, Beatles fans, Abbey Road on the River, Beatles fans. And uh, we had 1964, the tribute. Mm -hmm. We had had them also in Cleveland for two of the, the first two years. And 
you know, I said that Fab Faux was the gold standard, but in the look-alike category at that time, nobody could touch 1964, yeah. the tribute. And uh, am I talking too it's much? It's pretty amazing. No, I wanted to go into the move to Louisville. Yeah. I don't think people know that story, which I think is very cool. Yeah, it, was, it was a complicated move in many ways. Yeah. And then the partnership that we put together with these guys in Louisville didn't work out. We, we worked together for two years, and we, we had... Uh, we had, we, we just were different people. And um, yeah. so. Well, talking about that year, that was the first year you had a major headliner, too. The Smithereens. Yeah. Yeah. And the Greek Beats, although that's not a headliner, but. Did the <laughs> just Greek Beats note. come in five or in six? It says in 05. Yeah. In the book. So. That's crazy but that I don't remember it that way. Tell the Pat. Uh, the Pat Denisio? Yeah. Well, we had them in the, they were in the Whitney Hall. By the way, we were, the Kentucky Center was sort of a partner of ours, and they had a 2,700 seat uh, orchestral European style performing arts uh, room that they gave us, that Tim Piper played in, a lot of our bands played in these mm -hmm. amazing shows in a full concert environment. But the Smithereens played in there, and uh, they just rocked the place. Yeah, and, uh, it'd be amazing. I think Pantanisio dropped his trousers. <laughs> on purpose, not accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, you could they, only do that purposefully. They were know. great. I stayed friendly with Pat off and on for years, and yeah. we would talk, because they, they had some great cover albums of the Beatles. They did Meet the Beatles note for note. Ooh. They, they had a great Yeah, they did, record. right. It was great. Yeah. They're... And he was just such a sweet guy, and you know he was lost a few years ago. Yeah. But I always kept thinking I'd bring them back, and I know we... Yeah. I don't remember why we did it. We talked about it three or four times, I'm sure. Yeah. But you can't have oh, everybody nice. all the time. And exactly. Five um, and six, maybe I guess are, you know, maybe a little bit of a blur without looking at notes. But yes, the Greek beats, the best part of the Greek beats story was um, hearing from them the first time. Their name was not the Greek beats. Their name was, um, they actually called themselves something with the word Beatles in it. And I said to them, well, I don't know how that's going to work. I'd already been in conversations with Apple about things that were a little touchy. Mm -hmm. So I changed their name to the Greek Beats. Yeah. And I thought it's it was a great, great name. name right? It is. I thought it was a great name. Yeah. Good and, job. It's yeah. like when John Lennon named the circle. Yeah. <laughs> Me and John Lennon have a lot in common. Just both, both have great ideas. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Okay, they, so we, yeah, but go they, ahead. the Greek Beats, the Nick Markokis, and I hope I'm not mangling <laughs> his name. I'm sure I am. He and I became great friends on the phone and email leading up to it. And one day he said to me, uh, "I need, I want to have an orchestra when we do our show." And they were a band of uh, beautiful men and women, wearing colorful red uh, dresses and shirts, and they just we hadn't seen anybody that looked that good ever before and uh, played the way they played. And anyways, Nick said to me, I'd like to bring in a, a string section. And I didn't even want to hear about it. I had zero interest in, in making my life harder. And I said, I don't know, mm -hmm. Nick, you know, if you can come up with something, blah, blah, blah. And a few days later, he called me back. He said, I've contacted the University of Louisville Music Department and they've introduced me to this woman and uh, her name is Rachel, and she's going to uh, play with us and get our string section together. Wow. And that was how we found Rachel. That and was, it was 
just amazing. That's cool. It is. I get teary-eyed thinking about it. Yeah. We, we never, I don't know if we ever would have met her. Right. And, uh, and he did it. And, uh, wow. And I and kept telling him She was in the festival no. so long. <laughs> right. You know, I, I tell a lot of people no, and they have better Well, ideas. it is complicated if you don't. Yeah. I just didn't want more idea. work. You yeah. Know, you need to just get work off your desk. I remember right. when Kimberly, our artist for many years, brought me the uh, Four Heads logo. The, yeah. the one we've Original. been using now all these years. I said to her, I, I felt bad. I didn't want to tell her that I didn't like it. I thought it looked juvenile. And so I just said, well, you know, I'll think about it. Thanks. And then I just started sending it to people. And everybody I sent it to said, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it was me that was wrong, not, you know. <laughs> so I do you know listen. What? Yes. It takes a great producer to a sometimes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Seven was a great <laughs> year because we introduced love. Yeah. We also did the 40th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper that year, and we created the Mondays for the first time. How Monday ah. came about is a great story, too. Yes. Are we running long? Can I no, tell please tell. So Gary Blaine, our merchandise partner still to this day, he, you know, we'd be closing on Monday. We were, first we were a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event, and then we added Thursday, I think the second year. And uh, he said to me after, the, after six, he said, I, I don't understand why you don't stay open on Monday. You've got this whole place is already built. He mm-hmm. said, do something different, like bring in country on Monday. And I said, eh, I don't know if I would bring in country on Monday. But I went home, and all summer long, I kept thinking about what he said, that Monday the infrastructure was there, so why don't we do something? And I was jogging one day in the park, and, and I hit a mile marker that said .67. And all of a sudden, I looked at the mile marker. I went, six, seven, summer of love. Okay, that's what we'll do. We'll do the summer of love on Monday. And Mm -hmm. that's how Monday became a day for us. And then Hal Bruce led the summer of love the first couple of years and put together these fabulous ensemble shows with Mark Beyer and Stan Bullock. And my daughter, Brooke, was in them. And Mm -hmm. and a whole cast of characters, James Paul Lynch, uh, Jan Borg, and they were great shows. They did everything from the Mamas and the Papas to um, Hal's incredible version of House of the Rising Sun. Mm-hmm. Those were amazing shows. But the Sgt. Pepper show that year was led by Abbey Road Live. And mm-hmm. uh, they were so good, Abbey Road Live. They, they were one of our featured bands for many, many years. And you know we, we talked all the time. We were great friends. Sometimes just there's nothing more to do together. And mm-hmm. so we went our separate ways. I think Elvis yeah. sang that in one of his songs. <laughs> separate ways. I'm definitely regurgitating 20 years <laughs> of festivals at this point. Yeah. Well, we don't have to go through no. every single year no, either. No, because I don't remember been, eight. <laughs> I know. People are going to have to buy the program to read yeah. the little anecdotes from, you have to read the from all those years. Um, but we did do, you did do D.C. in the midst of all this on Labor Day weekend for... 10, 11, and 12, yeah. and they were your daughter DC. got married at one of them. Yeah, she got married in D.C. Which is insane that you produced the event, you produced two events that year, and you put your daughter's wedding on in the middle of the event. I became a full, honest to goodness, I became a full-fledged wedding planner. You did? I did everything. The flowers, the photographer, <laughs> the food, yeah. every bit of it was planned by me. 
Well, and you I was are an planning. Event planner. Yes, I am an event planner. <laughs> but, but wedding is an event. But I got to give uh, you know that first year in DC was just so amazing. Again, another situation of where I got an email that I wasn't interested in at first, and then about a month later I reopened it, and uh, it showed these pictures of National Harbor, Maryland, and I thought, well, this looks like an interesting event space, and I called the uh, Gaylord National Hotel and. They, they, when I told them that we had people that could fill rooms, they said, come on down. And I went down and we made the deal. It was great. Yeah. But um, the, uh, we got so lucky in D.C. right out of the box. We got ABC. Uh, as a, you know, when you get a major media partner in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. you know, we had Channel 7, ABC. We had uh, Washington Post writing about us. You know, it was just, but after three years of it, it was hard to make money. Because the National Harbor is a sprawling megapolis now. I mean, it's it's still Mm -hmm. built up. But we either had to decide to keep everything on the Gaylord grounds or spread out through this whole large new lifestyle community city. And and I I was one day uh, during the planning thinking, we can't use this whole place. It's too big. I, I remember thinking to myself, it's heart attack season. And if I try and do this whole place... I won't be able to control it. And so I decided to just put it at the Gaylord and condense it to something that was more manageable. But we couldn't own the food and beverage at the Gaylord. So the numbers right out of the box were never going to be the kind of numbers that we needed. (coughs) But it was just such a great place to be. I loved it. I was there for my first earthquake. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, Washington Washington had a big earthquake. Uh, I was driving up one day. And I'm, to, to start, I, I'd have to Google when that earthquake was, if it was, but my car just started acting really weird, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And all of a sudden, people come running out of the hotel. This oh. was a real earthquake in Washington. Really? Yeah, and the chandeliers and the Gaylord had fallen, and yeah, it was it was a bit of Whoa. a mess. But yeah. um, like and we had hurricanes there. It was my sure. first hurricane. I remember no walking. No rain in Cleveland, but hurricanes right. in D.C. I, I came out of my room. I watched the hurricane all night. It was the Friday. It was the Friday before us. Uh-huh. But I thought the whole place was going to get destroyed. <laughs> That's what the rumor was going to be. This hurricane wow. was going to wipe out. We were in the eye of it. So I stood in my room all night long watching this hurricane through the glass windows, not having no idea what the damage would be. And I came out in the morning, and it was not that bad, but... I had never smelled air that fresh because the hurricane had just cleaned the whole place. It was was an incredible feeling. Wow. But there was a lot of damage, but not enough to... uh, So we could still set up. We were Mm -hmm. setting up like starting on Tuesday or Wednesday, and the hurricane was Friday night. Mm -hmm. So there still had to be a lot of cleanup. Yeah. But uh, I digress. Wow. One thing we did really cool in Washington was we... We set off a fireworks show, Time to the Love Show. Oh. Yeah, National Harbor was doing their own Saturday night or Sunday night fireworks, and they just said, listen, you know, we'll, we'll let you guys kind of control it since we're doing it. So we worked it through to, so that it would sync with the love show. Yeah. For the finale. Who controlled it? it? Did you me. have the buttons to I'm, push? I'm the one who called it. I, 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 there was a guy out on a boat who was the, he had the fireworks out on a barge, and he was waiting for me, and I was sitting there staring at my phone, watching every second of love, knowing that we were going to hit it on uh, um, 
either you say you want a revolution. I think it was right on oh, you say you want a revolution. Sure. And it was right then, and I said to him, okay, go. And the fireworks went, and the talent that was on stage did not know. And they all <laughs> turned around, and they were blown away by what was going on right behind them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was really Who's cool. Who's lost their minds? Yeah. <laughs> I remember Alex Lush from, uh, he used to be in the Newbies. I remember him telling me that it was one of the great sensations he had ever experienced. <laughs> Playing, like feeling the music and then feeling the fireworks. Yeah. That must have been so cool. Well, the, the year of Brooks' wedding, the fire... Okay, so now... So we did fireworks twice. Okay. So the first time must have been 11. And that was, you know, perfect. The second year, they were on stage. And I was sitting in the back for that one because I had my whole family there for the wedding. And this storm comes moving in over the Woodrow Wilson Bridge. And none of us could see it because it was dark and nobody knew it was coming. And then all of a sudden, you're looking down the amphitheater hill at the bands and they're kind of like, they, weren't, they were stilted, they weren't moving, they weren't, weren't sure what was going on. And this thing hit with incredible ferociousness. The fireworks were going off and thunder and lightning were going off. And uh. the, the thunder, lightning, and fireworks were reflecting off the giant 100-foot windows in at the Gaylord and everybody was in some kind oh of a it was like a kaleidoscope it was crazy right did everyone start running like what yeah did they, do? they didn't know where to go everybody was in the hotel lobby it's and, like a mirror and me I was carnival like, mirror I was like thing. Andy Frame and Shawshank Redemption going oh reaching out to the heavens why now wow. yeah that is like the I can't imagine that <laughs> The joys of being, being organizing an outdoor festival. <clears throat> Probably well, seen it all. Well, thanks for letting me tell this story. Right. I mean, that's amazing. Well, let's talk about um, the move to Jeffersonville then. So Again, done, something, so something that I resisted. Was it? Yeah. I mean, when mm -hmm. they first called me from Jeffersonville, I was like, seriously, Jeffersonville? <laughs> Andersonville? Where, where are you? <laughs> what is it? And I finally came over for a meeting. Kate Kane had been just like twisting my arm. And I like Kate. She had worked for the Gold House, so I knew her. And then she became one of the big reps for Southern Indiana Tourism. Mm -hmm. And she was a, a really persuasive salesperson. And so she finally got me over and held a big meeting. And all these people from the mayor's office and the tourism board met with me. And they said, you know, we want you to move over here. I kept challenging them and saying, can you really do this? Can you really do that? And uh, this one fellow, Rob Ways, who's the economic developer of, uh, head of economic development for Jeffersonville, who had also formerly been mayor, he just looked at me and he said, if I said we can do it, we can do it. And I just <laughs> shut up and I said, okay. You know, he put me in my place, yep. but he delivered. Just let it go. <laughs> right, I mean, I think there's a lot of that bias of like, outside of Louisville is like, really? What's that? Like, right. Oh, like, Louisville people. That's just we, like the middle of nowhere. Right. When we said we were doing it, people were like rolling their eyes. <laughs> and now look at Jeffersonville. And it's like closer to downtown Louisville than, than most every, people right. live in Louisville. But look at this town. What's going on here? I know. And it's, it's, boom, it's a boom town. It is a boom town. It's a gold mine yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. I want to open up a saloon. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. We had that a episode all about... Everything happening in Jeffersonville, it's quite amazing. It is. The mayor's an amazing uh, visionary. 
Well, should we talk about all the headliners that we've had in the past? Just going to. through, I'd starting with okay. your favorite. Who's no, your favorite? I'm gonna, Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Okay, I was thinking that. I'm glad you said the <laughs> the same one. Booking the Beach Boys was probably as you know. I've always been what I call a double A event promoter or concert promoter. I never made the big ten. I just you know I struggled along playing. Never got called up to the show. So the fact that I was able to book the Beach Boys, probably one of, I guess I would say tied with the Eagles and Crosby, Stills and Nash for the best American bands of all time. Ah. That would be what I would say. Maybe Fleetwood. What about too. America? Okay. <laughs> just <true>. kidding. <laughs> but it was just, it was a long negotiation. It took mm -hmm. well over a year. It, they, they were changing agencies. It was always one thing or another. They'd tell me that I had a deal. I think we first might have, so 14 is when we got them, but mm -hmm. we were working on them as early as 12. Wow. Or, and, that's amazing. And then I thought after we had them that we would just have them every year, but that <laughs> worked out that way. I would have taken that. Yeah. But the next year you had the orchestra, the orchestra. which was amazing. Thrilling. Just thrilling. Yes, in yeah. 15. And then 16 was the 16 zombies. 16 was the zombies. Well, you skipped, though. In, four, in 13, we had Leon Russell. Yes. In 12, we had Jefferson Starship. Yeah. And they were a phenomenal shows. A quick story about Jefferson Starship yes. in 12. The, the love show uh, was going on before them. And I was sitting in the audience with some of the, uh, the members of Jefferson Starship watching the love show. And when the love show ended... They said, we don't want to go on. We, we, we can't top that. We can't top it. No, but they, they really were pretty good. Yeah, I would and think so. 13 was Leon Russell, and mm -hmm. 14 then was the Beach Boys, and John, and John Sebastian. Sebastian. And Ambrosia. And Ambrosia. Ambrosia did, yes. I would say that Ambrosia did in 14, and so many of our fans didn't see it. They didn't get Ambrosia. I mean, they got it. But they kept thinking they were just going to see this soft rock show. Mm -hmm. So instead, they were hunting down Beatle bands around the site. Yeah. And there was a main stage. And I remember watching it with a bunch of our fans, you know, a couple hundred. It was the best Beatles set any of us had ever seen mm -hmm. to that point. Ambrosia yeah. was amazing. They were like, yeah, a Beatles it, it, tribute band to themselves that weekend. Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And uh, and John Sebastian, he was okay. I, you know, John, if you're listening. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I hope it's not. You were a little surly. But. And then 17 was a big year because you had the Grassroots, uh, Mark Lindsay of Paul, Paul Revere and the Raiders, yep. and the Family Stone. Yeah, the Family Stone. And Peter Noon. And Peter Noon. Yeah. That was... was and Ambrosia in yeah. 17. Yes. You, <laughs> that was like a crazy... I had a big checkbook that, that year. That was the first year in Jeffersonville. I first year in Jeffersonville. You were just like, let's yes. go all out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Let's go all out. And uh, and it was great. Um, yeah, Ambrosia was great again on Friday. And that Saturday, we had to flip from, we had to go Peter, we had to do Grassroots, Mark Lindsay, Peter Noon, and Family Stone, all on the same stage in one night. Yeah. And it rained. Of course it, was, it rained. Yeah, but it was. It was great. It was amazing. I loved Peter Noon. I, you know, I don't want to. Peter wanna, Noon is I don't, so I don't, We've had him twice. I don't yes. want to overlook how great it's been to have him. He, yeah. I guess I would say he's like he's like the Dean Martin of rock and roll stars. He's just cool, and he, he, he dresses nice, yes. and he puts on a show. He does a good show. Yeah. 
He's funny. He meets his fans afterwards. Yeah, I like Peter Mead a lot. Cool. I love the grassroots. Grassroots are great. I, mean, I saw the grassroots on the Flower Power Cruise that, that year for the first time, and I remember just smiling through the whole thing <laughs> because they were playing these amazing just songs. The hits, yeah. For one after another. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how good they were. It's so cool. It's, uh, yeah, and the Family Stone, you know, I spent a lot of time with Jerry planning the show. He's one of the original members, and you know, I felt bad because I think, I truly think they were one of the greatest acts we've ever had. Yeah. But the audience just left. They were burnt out after Peter and the others, and there was a little bit of mud down front. I don't think more than two, 300 people watched the Family Stone. Really? Yeah. I don't remember it being that you small because I remember being in the front and like losing my mind. The front was great because you were in the front. So yeah. The front was a party. Yeah. I was there too. Right. I loved them. Yeah. I, uh, well, whatever. You missed the zombies <laughs> in 16 too. Did, we did mention them. Yeah. That was just another great get for us together. And then Vanilla Fudge in America in 18. Yeah. And the Buckinghams and Cowsills in 19. Who that else? was fun. Someone else was in 19. Yeah, Grassroots. Grassroots again, yes. Yeah, that was great. And then... When they all did Hey Jude together. Oh, that was so cool. Oh, how cool. That was super yeah. fun. And Pete Best. And Pete Best. We've had him You've three, had him four him times, times. Four, four times. Mm-hmm. I, my best... Remember, his band was great. We had his band in Louisville. But the day he signed autographs in D.C., there had to be two, 300 people queued up to get his autograph. And I remember customers of ours saying, I hugged him. I hugged <laughs> Pete Best. And they were, it yeah, meant something it was about to losing people. Their they money. did. It really meant a lot yeah. to people to meet him. And he was such a great guy. Yeah. I've loved all of our headliners. I really have. I've, I've, uh, I wish I could have gotten to know some of them better. I thought yeah. America put on a brilliant, brilliant That show, show was really good. I mean, talk about note for note, right? Yes. And, of course, you had... They did Eleanor Rigby as their Beatles song, as I recall, and it was really good. Yeah. And, and then, of course, we had what? Of course, you had Felix Cavalieri. Felix, yes. Felix. Uh, Felix I had Felix Cavalieri's at my Rascals rib cook twice. In 16. And uh, so I knew Felix a little bit. And uh, what a gentleman. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be... His show is so fun, too. So good. Good <laughs> He's just, like, his... jamming on his organ and... He's the real deal. Yeah. I, mean, the, I, I, I know I talked about great American bands. The Rascals were right there. Yes. Right. When the Rascals were in their real height... greatest yes, song. That album of theirs, when they, when they were in their high point, which I... You know, late 60s, there was nothing like the Rascals. Yeah. They, they were really amazing. So we, all these bands, every one of them had a moment when all of the America, all of the world was tuned into them. Yeah. And uh, so we were lucky to be able to bring them to our little festival and let our customers see them up close and personal. You know, the the beauty of Abbey Road on the River is it's not very big. Yeah. (laughs) It's small by festival standards. So people get to, you know, they kind of get spoiled if they're not in the first five rows. You know, they'll sit, they'll pay $900 to sit in the furthest part of an arena to see Paul. Mm-hmm. Right. And just look at the screens. Yeah. But for Abbey Road on the River, and I hope everybody that's listening realizes the bang you get for your buck. Right. To be able to see these kinds of bands, all of our bands, as well as these headliners. Multiple headliners right. up close for, right. yeah, not the cost of Paul McCartney. Or the cost of Star Vista, the cruises. All mm-hmm. these things 
are wonderful events and provide great entertainment, but I don't think anybody, anybody anywhere has provided <clears throat> the type of entertainment we do for the affordable price we do. Lots of cities will do a free concert, of course, sure. and they'll bring in America or they'll bring in the Beach Boys. But when you look at the, the whole you know, compilation of our work over the years and think that we've brought all these bands in and people can see them for $25, $50, you know, when you average it mm -hmm. out, it's, it's pretty impressive. It is. It's amazing. Right. That's why it's lasted this long, I think. Why do you think this festival has lasted 20 years? I think because of me. Because of you, yeah. I mean, you're the you're the glue. You're the one factor that has lasted this long. Without me, it doesn't last that long. <laughs> Trust me, nobody else would have picked it up. Would they pick it up now? Maybe. Um, you know, because I recognized that our fans were loyal, and mm -hmm. that our fans were really genuinely beautiful people who were getting off on this event, if I can use an expression like that. They just loved it so much. Right. Well, getting and, those letters in the first couple of years. And then they all became friends with each yeah. other. And when you see that connectivity, you, you, you realize that, you know, like you're the mayor of this little small village and it's your mm -hmm. responsibility, you know, to be stay mayor for as long as you can and keep it going. And our bands. I mean, I would tell you that when you think about, you know, bands like The Criers, Steve Sizemore, Union Jack, um, you know, if I go through guys that have come year after year and they don't get the, the main stage shows, but they come with their best shows. And they're every, every single one of our bands is somebody's favorite band. Mm -hmm. Every one of our bands plays their hearts out and every single one of them have been uh, so loyal to me. And, and they, you know, like, They'll just say, yeah, boss, whatever you need, boss. And they, they do it because they love the fans. They love the festival. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they love the Beatles music. They were yeah. you know, raised on it <laughs> the same way. Right. But all of our bands, if, if it had turned out that they were playing some other music, they would have played it just as hard. Mm -hmm. you know, but they, they also recognized that there was something you know, serendipity in, in this Beatles thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, Tell you some of the some of the bands that have been uh, that have really held this thing together. Yeah. Um, Abbey Road Live probably played for mm -hmm. eight or nine years. Was remarkable. Brit Beat, yeah. you know, who I will tell you now is coming back in twenty twenty three. Yes, I am making that announcement. <laughs> British Export was eight or nine years of some of the best Beatle music we ever saw. Uh, Drew Harrison. With the, first with the Sun Kings and then on his own, was such an amazing fan favorite. Gavin Pring just is such a standout from the beginning till now. You know, he, truly a close friend of both of ours. Mm -hmm. and, and he's just amazing that he came here from Liverpool, played in Cleveland, met his wife, yeah. wound up getting into the Fab Four, became this huge star. He is, he is the preeminent George Harrison yeah. in the world. Yes. And uh, just so down to earth. Hal Bruce. You know, 20 years of just the most creative shows and mm -hmm. organizing Abbey Road Mega Size, the Love Show, the White Album, you know, Revolution Number Nine, Note for Note. <laughs> you know, there wasn't anything Hal didn't want to tackle. Hard Day's Night has been in the event since Cleveland and just uh, worked so hard for us. Ichiku Park, they, they from Scotland, band, you know, fans just love them. 
so much. Instant Karma, Jay Gepner and Instant Karma. Yeah. Of course, Mark Eskin, who passed away. Jay is just so popular at this festival. Mm-hmm. And he keeps getting better and better. The Jukebox, you know, they, they've been coming since 05. They're wonderful friends of all of ours. And note for note, song for song, nobody's ever played it better than them. LSB Experience, you know, they've been coming since D.C. And uh, they started out as Old Brown Shoe. And oh, then, yeah. they, then they became the LSB Experience. Mario De Silva, yeah. he doesn't come anymore. But what a showman he was and what a fan favorite he was. Uh, Mark Beyer and the Rigbys have been there for everything we've ever needed. The Norwegian Beatles have, you know, nobody played while my guitar gently weeps better. Peter mm-hmm. Conrad was in the first Abbey Road on the river and, and he's still been in every one. Unfortunately, he may not be at this one that we're talking about right now. Right. Sizemore, as I already mentioned, the backwards, the B trips from Japan. Couldn't yeah. speak a word of English, but do the music note for note. Yeah. The Blue Meanies, many people think the Blue Meanies are the best band in the event. The most um, uh, unrecognized, maybe, by me, in the sense that I've never been able to give them that 9 o'clock Saturday night spot. But I know Until they're now. worthy of it. Yeah. They're, they're they just, have some good slots this year. They're amazing. Yeah. The Criers, Joe Orlando is such a dear friend, him and Belle. Mm-hmm have been for years at the festival. Joe's brought Denny Lane, mm-hmm. Terry Sylvester, Steve Holly, uh, Ian uh, from the Bay City Rollers. But Joe is always planning you know, new things. The newbies, they've had a remarkable run with us from going back to 09. Mm-hmm. The, the repeatles, Jan Borg and the, the, the rest of them, the repeatles at one time owned this event in the mm-hmm. sense that if the repeatals were on stage, there was going to be for sure a thousand women watching the show. And the guys liked them a lot too. And uh, and Union Jack, I already mentioned. Dave Lemke is. You mentioned the Rigby's? I did. Mark Byer and the Rigby's. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. And uh, Gary uh, Metcalf is probably one of the three or four best guitar yeah. players in the festival. I'd say so. But I did want to, again, just talk about Tim Piper because he. He was the the picture of Abbey Road on the River. He was the front page. He was the he was who we sold to the audiences for years. Yeah. And uh, nobody did John Lennon like Tim Piper. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if anybody ever will again. Although James Paul Lynch was an amazing. He now plays George with American English, and he played Paul with British Export. But when he played John Lennon with Rippy. I said to him in the, after the DC event, I said, you need to go to Hollywood right now because you right now are John Lennon and you can get that movie if there was one mm-hmm. to be made. And, and I believed it at the time. That, and everybody who's listening who remembers him as John Lennon knows that he caught it. He caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And then, of course, all of our great speakers and everything. But I guess... Yeah. I know that we're done. It's been a long, it's a long and winding road, right? Thanks for <laughs> the letting twenty me years. Just spew it out. Hey, no, we wanted to hear about it because I don't think a lot of people have heard the full, the full. I mean, that wasn't the full history, but they have to, you know, read this twenty-year anniversary anniversary program. And I will and be available for interviews and autographs. You should be. Okay, let's. You should sign each one of these yeah. if someone wants them. Oh boy. <laughs> um, 
like a yearbook everyone can sign. Can I read something that I wrote in the... uh, Yes, please. It's what I wrote to the fans at the end. I think it's on page 23. To our fans who buy the tickets, you all came and kept coming. Many of you came for 20 consecutive years. We have all become great friends. I can tell you that when it starts to rain, when the rain comes down, everything's the same. I always knew you would slip into the shade and sip your lemonade and be there when the sun shines. What a wonderful gift you gave me, my family, and our staff. And I do thank you all for letting me do this all these years. I'm sure the fans thank you for putting it on all these years. So (laughs) thanks, Gary, for talking to me today and telling about the history. And we'll see you in just a few short weeks. Thanks for tuning in to Something Will Happen. Remember that Abbey Road on the River is happening May 26th to 30th, 2022 in Jeffersonville, Indiana. To start making your plans, head over to AROTR.com. There you can see the full lineup of bands that are coming, check out shows we're planning, book your hotels, and grab your tickets while you're there. For the most up-to-date information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll see you in May. Something will happen.